Welcome to the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast, where it's all about learning from the best minds in the sport so you can train smarter, stay healthy, and run faster now. And now your host, Tina Muir. Hello, Tina Muir here. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Run to the Top podcast, brought to you by runnersconnect.net. Thank you to those of you who have already given us a review on iTunes. This helps us towards our goal of being the number one running podcast. I don't know if you can tell, but I think I'm starting to become a little less nervous. Hopefully you can see a difference. But it'd be so helpful if you could leave us a review on iTunes, which you can access through runnersconnect.net forward slash review. It would really help my confidence, which helps the podcast be more enjoyable for you. On to today's show. As I barely managed to finish a marathon, I've noticed that ultra running is on the rise. Before today, I was completely clueless on being on what an ultra runner meant, other than you run more than a marathon. I can't even imagine running 27.2 miles, but these ultra runners are tough. And my guest today talks about how the popularity of ultra running has risen, and how there are not only 100 mile races, but 200 mile races. Wow. I'm excited to be joined by another podcast host today, one who I love to listen to to learn from, Eric Schranz. Eric is one of the founders of Ultra Runner Podcast, URP for short, which is a weekly podcast, a one hour long interview with elite runners, veterans, experts, and others within the ultra and trail running world. They have a featured section called the Daily News, which is their most popular page, and it will be featured in Running Times sometime this month. Eric himself has been running for 30 years, starting in elementary school, and he is from a family of runners. Although he's only run one ultra himself, he has a lot of insight for you from his guests and has plenty of races planned for this year, so make sure you follow him. Today, Eric and I are going to discuss why ultra running has increased in popularity so much over the last few years, why instead of a medal, you are awarded with a belt buckle for completing your 100-mile race, how runners can be compared to alcoholics and drug addicts when it comes to our obsession with running, what a fat ass is, no laughing at my accent there, <laughs> and how to transition from marathon training to ultra running, and finally, what mistakes every ultra runner makes, even the elites. All of the links we talk about today can be found on runnersconnect.net forward slash RC48. That's the number 48. Let's get on with the interview. Welcome, Eric. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks so much, Tina. We're excited to talk to you. So firstly, um, I've talked a little bit in the intro about uh, Ultra Runner podcast, but could you just explain a general overview for our listeners? Sure. Uh, we started Ultra Runner podcast, colloquially called URP, um, four years ago or so. Some friends and I started it, and um, they left, and then Scott left, and now now it's just me and a couple of co-hosts who I have occasionally. And what it is is uh, I, I just want to interview and talk to people um, from all different aspects of this ridiculous sport of ours, from, um, from, from brand new people to people who have been doing it for a long time to the very top of the elites to coaches and nutritionists and doctors and psychiatrists and race directors and all, everybody in between. And it's really meant kind of if you go out and run with somebody and you learn about them, just kind of that type of conversation. Okay, well, that's good to know, and it kind of sounds in a similar way, kind of similar to what we do and the kind of yeah. listeners we have. I think we do yeah. have a lot of the same people involved here, so I'm sure some of our listeners uh, right now are your same same people. So, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, um, so 
um, why do you think it is that um, ultra running has become so popular in recent years? I mean, have you seen a growth within your website um, and oh, the podcast? <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, a, a, a tremendous growth in um, it both both my side of things and just in terms of the the the, the sport in general. Um, I'm kind of in a weird place in Northern California where it's, it's always been a pretty big trail running has always, always been a pretty big, um, pretty big activity and, and, it, and it still is. But just in general, I mean, a few years ago, you could count the number of hundreds, you know, on, on a few hands. And this year, I think there's 120, 100 milers in the country. Um, and why do I think it's, it's big? Um, I think a few reasons. People are just looking for the next thing to push themselves at. Um, they also, a lot of people are bucket list oriented or buckle oriented they want uh, they want to mark that thing off their thing and say i ran a hundred mile or i ran a 50 miler um just as well as they uh, they want they want in our in our world i should back up a little bit in, in ultra running if you run a hundred miler um in the allotted time you get a you get a belt buckle generally okay and um it's there's it, it dates back to the to the time when when ultra running was was largely um kind of part of uh, equestrianism um, Western States was the first big ultra, uh, first big hundred miler in the country. That was based off of uh, the Tevis Cup, which is a hundred miler up in Lake Tahoe. And if you finish a Tevis Cup on a horse, you get a belt buckle. So they figured, well, if you run a hundred miles, you might as well get a belt buckle too. And that's just kind of spread from there. Oh, so is it kind of like how we would hang our medals on the wall? Do you yes. put your belt buckles? Okay. Well, it's and that's <laughs> and that's always interesting. What exactly do this giant gaudy belt buckle and? Uh, <laughs> You you wear it to a few ultra running events and then you, you put it in your drawer. I've got one lying around. Um, you don't really do much with them. <laughs> okay, well I guess when it comes to it, a medal. I mean, most of my medals are sitting on a side. They're not really hanging up. Although they yeah. do have a lot of the new uh, hanging things for them. But most people, Certainly. I think, just uh, put them to the side. Um, <laughs> so um, you said about how you think it's a new challenge do you think part of it is because uh that there's so many people running a marathon it well relatively speaking uh running a marathon now that it's kind of lost some of the appeal because it's not far enough do you see i think that's i think that's part of it um that they just people always want to do a little bit more a little bit more a little bit more and then also certainly i didn't leave i, I left out before is um is the, the books i mean you can't discount you know, Dean Carnaz's impact, Born to Run. I mean, those really, really increased visibility. And now with this new movie coming out with uh, Matthew McConaughey is going to be playing mm -hmm. uh, in the movie. It's going to, we're going to see another big, uh, big push. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to see it. Um, and where do you think it's going to keep going? Do you think um, there's going to be prize money or is there prize money right well, now? Well, there, 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 there is prize money. It's severely limited. I mean, the, in terms of the prize money that the athletes get from the, from the race itself, there's a very few races that offer prize money. Um, the North Face Endurance Challenge um, in December in San Francisco offers prize money, and uh, U-Rock, the Ultra Race of Champions, offers prize money. Um, Carl Meltzer's race in Utah offers. I, there's less than 10 races in the country, I would assume, that offer prize money, and most of that is a few hundred bucks. Um, I mean, literally, it, it, it kind wow. of covers your travel. It's very, very, very minimal. Um, and that's for that's for about 16 hours worth of work. Yeah. <laughs> and... and uh, uh, there is prize money, though, in that the the sponsored athletes are rewarded by their sponsors for winning events. So there's a lot of people who don't want any type of prize money, but but the athletes are already, you know, if you're sponsored by 
you know, a Nike or North Face or whoever it's going to be and you win, they're going to kick you a few thousand bucks for representing the, uh, the, the, the brand well. Okay, so, so they're, they're, they're all... Just there are and there there are like pro, uh, proper sponsored athletes, kind of professional athletes. That is their job, or only well, only very very recently have have sponsors really moved in and started um, putting much effort into it. Um, there's a very few. I mean, you can count them on five fingers. I think athletes in the world who who make a a, a full living at it. Um, one of those is Killian, um, and then uh, ironically, the the others. Most of the others are athletes who are really not performing anymore, and that would be uh, Dean Carnazes, who's obviously making a big living at it, but isn't winning any races. Scott Jurek, who isn't r- winning any races. Um, uh, Anton Kropitschka, who is a fantastic runner, but hasn't won any major races in a while. And these guys are all making money at it, but they're not really winning. <laughs> strange, strange situation. Yeah, well, I guess it's, it kind of makes sense with uh, some of the ambassadors, even just in the running world, as they True. as they retire, they True. they actually become bigger. <laughs> so, um, do you think it could go further? Do you think there's any chance that these distances will keep going? I mean, we hear about the World Ultraman now, which is a 6.2 mile swim, 261 right. mile bike, and a 52 mile run. What do you think about that? Right. It's tough. I don't know. That's that's so out of my scope of things. Mm-hmm. I I am a runner. I I really only care about I really only care about running. Um, if Super Bowl was on yesterday, I didn't watch it. I I just I just like running. Um, in terms of going further though, um, there have been you know two hundred mile races and much further for for a while, but they are only starting to get any real visibility, and that's being really tested right now. Last year, there's the Tahoe 200, which was a really big, really big race. I think they had 75 people, so again, big is awfully relative, but it's sold out. And this year, there's, I think, five 200-mile races, and none of them are selling out. So there's a, there's a, there's a, at this point, there's a finite number of people who are able to do that. Um, there have always been I mean, going back to the going back to the early 20th century, uh, the, to the times of pedestrianism, there were 72-hour races and six-day races. So you'd race for six days on a track. Um, literally, you start and then you finish six days later, and uh, and see who gets the farthest. So how would that would that work? Do you run for a certain <laughs> amount of time and then oh, no, take a rest, keep, or you, you just, just keep going? Keep, there's some people who 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 <laughs> there's different different techniques. Um, some people. Try to go out quick and uh, maybe rest a little bit here and there. Some just go until they drop, and then they pass out, and then they get going again. It's a it's a very strange sport to watch. Um, that is that is so much so much more mental than physical. Obviously, there's a tremendous amount of physical training that goes into something like that, but it's it's really mental training. Can you keep going for that? And then further, the logistics of it. You tell your wife, "Honey, I'm going to go race for six days." You know, there's. <laughs> There's that issue. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure there's quite a few issues coming yeah. <laughs> involved yeah. in that, but that's that's Im- impressive. Wow. Yeah. Um. So the feeling that uh most people who have run a marathon know that that is one of the best feelings you could ask for when you cross that finish line, knowing you covered that distance, you did something that very few people can do. Is that kind of magnified for the ultra, knowing that you've gone that much further? Um. I don't know. I, that, that's that's a good question. I'm I'm sure it is for a lot of people. I think everybody's doing this for, for for their own reason. Uh, all I could speak for is myself. And when I finish a, a a particularly long race, it's just a fact that I've done it and I'm happy it's over. Um, <laughs> I, every time I've run a long one, 
and that's either a 12-hour or a 24-hour, a 100-mile or whatever it's going to be, um, I'm telling myself I'm never doing this again. This is ridiculous. This is silly. What am I trying to prove? And I go through this because at this point, you know, you're breaking down mentally and it's, mm-hmm. you're, not, you're not thinking straight. And, uh, but I do know I'm never, ever doing this again. And I'm mad at myself for paying $400 for doing this. And this is ridiculous. <laughs> it, it is a different feeling than a marathon. Because a marathon, you're still at least in pretty good. You're still pretty good wits about yourself. Um, and you can, you can think. But in, at least for, for what I'm doing, uh, it's, it's not a good situation at the end. But yes, yeah. I'm very, very happy it's over. <laughs> I can happy. imagine. So yeah. um, when you come to interviewing your guests, do they, a lot of people have the same kind of mindset or are people very different? Um, but... uh, it's, boy, it's all, all over. over. I mean, yeah, the, 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 the elites are obviously in a very different mindset for a few reasons. One, um, they're, they're, they're trying to make somewhat of a living at it. So that's a very different, if they're not performing well, a lot of times they drop out because they don't want to put their body through another 40, 50, 60, 70 miles, that's going to uh, cause their next few weeks of training to be off. So a lot of times they'll just bail. Um, and also, you know, for a 100-miler, they're going to finish in, you know, 15, 16 hours, where the back-of-the-pack people are going to be finishing in 30 hours. I mean, literally twice as long as they're out there. So it's a very different mindset as well. The, uh, the, the fast guys and gals usually haven't even run through the nighttime. You know, they're, they're, they're finished as it's getting dark and the people who are in the back have been they started in the morning they went all through the day all through the evening all through dusk through midnight through when the sun comes up into the next day and sometimes even when it's getting dark the next day so very different mindset wow wow that is yeah i guess even thinking about that that is what it would have to be so that's crazy it's, it's a very different being out there for that long is something that um that people don't prepare themselves for well because it's really a mental thing when you're out there and you're and you are you the 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 sun goes down and you're running through at night and it's still dark and it's still dark and it's still dark then it barely gets bright it's a really it's a big mental challenge to uh to go through that emotionally well and i can imagine it's very spread out by that point as well as not oh sure. yeah yeah very <laughs> very yeah, so it could go quite lonely. Um, so in your, um, you have 180 episodes which you've produced, um, and 100 of them are on iTunes, um, which people can check out. I will put a link to that in our show notes at runnersconnect.net forward slash RC48. But um, just a question for you, if you had to pick, I know this is a really difficult question, is there a favorite guest that you've had uh. on the show? <laughs> well, I've got two kids, and I couldn't choose my favorite. So, <laughs> I, I, I would have a hard time picking picking my favorite guest. I could give you, I could give you three. Okay. I could give you uh, one I just interviewed last week, and unfortunately, we, we we're having an issue with the audio. So, hopefully, it's going to come out okay. And um, he's a um, he's an addiction psychologist in Colorado. Kind of, he calls himself a hippie doctor. <laughs> he goes skiing and running with his athletes, and he is fascinated by and did a fantastic job of describing how ultra runners and runners in general have so many of the same qualities as alcoholics and drug addicts um the 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 flags the 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 problems the issues the reasons behind it all are so so similar and it was very interesting listening to that and going oh yeah that oh yeah oh yeah oh boy (laughs) Uh oh (laughs) yeah yeah and you know luckily um, you know, one's one's better for your health than the other, but they still they both still have the potential to 
completely take over your life and ruin your ruin your life. Um, another favorite of mine would be uh, Frank Bozanich. Frank, um, old school runner, has been running ultras since the mid '70s. Frank right now is in his '70s. In his '70s, he still races like crazy. He's uh, an old Marine gunny. He was a fantastic runner in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and he's still a fantastic runner. Anything you run is for wimps. He's tough. He's got stories behind behind him, and he thinks that uh, the, the modern-day ultra scene is a, for a bunch of cowards. <laughs> he is, he's a very, very fascinating take on, uh, on, uh, on what's just on, on, what's, on what's going on. And then... I don't know who my other favorite would be. I'm going to go with uh, yeah, with uh, with Frank and Drew. Those are both both fantastic. Okay, and when you said about Drew, uh, had he run an ultra himself? He he has. He's a runner. He owns okay. a running shop actually in Colorado. Okay. So he he runs trails a lot. Um, I don't think he's finished a hundred miler. He's he's more interested in um, right in, in in mental preparation for it, okay. and um, and uh, and really what's wrong with us. <laughs> that's interesting <laughs> funny <laughs> so, and you know, the, the, the other the other favorite of mine okay. would have to be liza howard liza okay. just won um race a few days ago liza um ran a hundred miler last year in olmsted on the east coast she ran a hundred miler in uh, in 1507 which is awfully wow. awfully fast for a hundred mm-hmm. miler mm-hmm. and she stopped five times to pump her breasts because she just had a baby and she wow. was lactating and she stopped got down on the floor of, a, of an outhouse and pumped and the, the clock doesn't stop. The clock doesn't stop when you're doing that. And she 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 won. She broke the record. And she won fifteen oh seven. Fantastic incredible. performance and, and her ability to tell that story. She has so much energy and 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 dynamicism about her. She's amazing, amazing. Yeah, that's an yeah. incredible story. Well, yeah. not surprised that makes onto your list. <laughs> yeah. So, um, for a uh, ultra marathoner or even just a longer you know, marathon plus person. Yeah. Uh, what does a typical week of training look like? Oh, I'm, I'm a horrible person to ask about that. Uh, <laughs> Based I've, on uh, your guess then. I've, yeah, you know, it, it ranges all over the place. The, the question we get asked a lot is you're going to run a 50 miler. Does that mean you have to train and run 50 miles? By all means, no, 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 no. Um, some people choose to put in some really long runs. Um, I, I don't, I think the majority of people, um, do a lot of back-to-backs. So you run 20 or 30 miles or, you know, five, six, seven hours, whatever you want to call it, on Saturday, and then you do kind of the same on Sunday, back-to-back. And so the, the theory is really getting used to running on tired legs. You wake up on Sunday and you go, oh, my God, I can't feel my legs. They're so sore. Well, that's what you're going to feel like at mile 60, mile 70. So let's get used to that. Um, week training for me, I live in, in Sacramento. The highest point in Sacramento is 70 feet above sea level. Um, and I do a lot of my training. My hill training is either on a treadmill in my garage that I have propped up on two by fours, so I get a, a you know a good, good uh, vert to it. Um, I also pull a tire around the neighborhood to try to simulate running on hills and and pulling get it getting tired. Um, and I only run about anywhere between zero and sixty miles a week. The highest I ever ran was a hundred, and that was in preparation for a hundred miler. Okay, so it isn't it isn't an extreme like. If no. you are preparing, you know. Okay. No, I think I think most people most people would say, um, and I'm I'm only speaking for 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 average athletes, um, and up to the up to you know the near near the top. Um, you know, if you're if you're looking at a hundred miler, somewhere between fifty and seventy five miles a week is is about the sweet spot. 
Okay, okay, so it isn't something that people, anyone listening right now who's considering it, they don't have to be scared off, and I liked and what you said, go on, sorry. No, that, that's just for a 100 miler. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, and uh, I liked what you said about, you know, doing the back-to-back, that would actually work out for a lot of people who do work during the week and couldn't get the, yeah. you know, spend four or five hours a day running, they can get it in on the weekends when they do have that time, so that would that would work well. Um, and then could you explain a little bit about um, nutrition like what what does a typical runner consume during a race like how how do you feel your body boy you know that's that's a, such a huge debate right now I mean everybody's got uh, <laughs> gluten-free or they only eat meat or they only eat bacon or whatever all these diets are I just interviewed you know Mike Arnstein a few weeks ago the fruitarian and he only eats fruit he literally only eats fruit during the race and during his life that's all he eats but he just won Hurt 100 a few weeks ago, too. So he, he performs at that level. Um, I've got a really basic diet. I just try to eat healthy. I'm not, I'm not crazy about anything. I eat junk food sometimes. I love beer. I love ice cream. But I try Hopefully to Hopefully not during. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh you do? No. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's part of the really good. That's part of the uh that's part of ultras is is the the uh the the aid station fair is quite quite a bit different you know really? in marathons and short races because i i race short races all the time mm-hmm. i love them it's it's oranges and water um and and ultras you show up and it's i mean there's there's cake and pizza and ice cream and chips and candy and chocolate and <laughs> sandwiches and grilled cheese and burritos and whatever you want um and you just need to you just need to know what you can handle because most most likely at some point during the race, whether it's diet related or not, you're going to barf, and that may have to do with something you ate. It may have to do with your stomach saying, "I cannot process this anymore. I've been doing this for 18 hours." Yeah, <laughs> well, that's quite quite yeah. a different change there. Can you put in the request yeah. to have a particular food? Or there's some race directors <laughs> who who are trying to accommodate gluten free and mm-hmm. you know this whole thing. Um, a lot of people just survive on gels. You know, okay. I mean, eight, you know, forty or fifty or sixty gels during a race, which to me wow. is awful sounding. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I eat off the table. I, I have some gels with me um, that have a lot of caffeine in them, and then I generally just eat off the table. I just trust my body and start taking handfuls of food and shoving them in pockets and, and go. And how many calories would you say people have to consume oh, during an ultra I race? Know. I don't know, thousands. I'm, I'm no good at that. There's, there's okay. people who are really into that and say, uh. 80% of my calories an hour are going to be so-and-so when I just, I said, <laughs> I, I had a grilled cheese, a piece of pizza, <laughs> some gummy bears at the last aid station. And that's all I know. Um, you do want to keep eating, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, because if you stop, if you, if you lose that, making it back up is really hard. Yeah. If you lose those calories, it doesn't mean you can just eat two or three times the amount to the next aid station and it's going to catch up. You, your, your body's going to be hurting and you're probably going to bonk. Oh yeah, no. I actually, even myself, I in my marathon, I, I, my first one, I started taking on fuels, and then I stopped around fifteen, and by nineteen, I was in trouble. <laughs> so, you gotta, you gotta yeah. stay on it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to know. So, someone who was uh, considering doing an ultra, um, or even just a longer than a marathon race, yeah. what advice would you give them for training, racing, preparing? Uh, first thing is sign up for one and don't freak out. Okay. Just sign up for one, and a 50K, is, it's only five miles more than a marathon. It's okay. really nothing into it. And and second, really um, decide on what you're looking at, because a lot of people um, equate ultras and trails. 
And those are two different things. Sometimes they sometimes are the same, but there's plenty of ultras that are on the track or on the road. Um, and those are a ton of fun. Most timed events are on the uh, are on a on a track of some sort or a park. And those are great ways to get into ultras because you can go to a 12 hour and you're going to run for 12 hours and you're going to finish because even if you stop running after a few hours, you're, you're still going to finish. It's going to be a lot easier, a lot more controlled. You're going to have more at, more access to aid stations. It's going to be your body's going to be able to handle it a lot more. So that's a great way to get into it. At the same time, um, running shorter trail races, so you're used to running on technical terrain, and you're used to what it's like to fall because you're gonna fall, and what it's like um, running up and down hills and having your stomach slosh, or stepping in water and getting blisters, and kind of um, practicing with all that stuff. So I'd say definitely sign up for, definitely sign up for something. Get it on the calendar, and and don't freak out. Um, don't go out and buy a whole bunch of five hundred dollars worth of gear. You're probably not gonna need it. And uh, and remember that if you get into the race, a lot of races are lottery only. So if you get into it, you're very fortunate. You're paying a lot of money and go out and have fun. Okay. Well, you said uh, didn't you say it was for about four hundred to enter? A race? Well, before four four hundred milers. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of three hundred. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's actually very, not bad. If you extrapolate it, right, mm-hmm. it doesn't turn out to be that bad, but <laughs> it's still it's still a check you're writing for four hundred dollars yeah. to run something that a lot of races have a you know sixty percent finish rate. So very likely you're not going to make it. Um, it's it, it's still it's still a, a lot of money. Um, and then uh, what we have in our in our you know ultra scene is fat asses that I don't really remember being in the shorter stuff. I guess it'd be like club runs. Um, and fat asses, the name is taken from back in the day, I don't know, 70s or 80s. Uh, there were groups of people who'd get together after Thanksgiving, after Easter, and when there were fat asses from eating so much, and get together and have an impromptu, very informal race. The taglines have always been, uh, there's no fee, uh, no shirt, no whining. <laughs> you just show up, you have fun, you go, out, you go out, and some people race, some people don't. There's kind of a course... And sometimes they're 50K, sometimes they're 50 miles, sometimes it's 22 miles or whatever, whatever's left. And uh, those are those are free. Okay. A lot of fun. So, yeah, you said those ones are usually uh, unmarked. But how about um, other courses? How do they mark them? How do you know where you're going a lot of the time? Great question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there, there's a few ways. There's... You, you have you, it's tough to put out a guide like in a in a 10k you could look online and say okay you take gar in this street and then you go this street this street this street or whatever it may be it's different on trails um a lot of times you're just following ribbons okay you're following the follow, follow the pink ribbons um and then turn around or at the aid stations kind of ask where you're going um it's it's it, there's a lot of courses that are are more loopy so you're going to do a pink loop and then a yellow loop and then a green loop don't get lost and then it really makes a difference when you're late into a race and uh it's dark and you're not really looking right and you're kind of um your eyes aren't working right mm-hmm. and you don't really know what's going on wow <laughs> i can imagine there's quite a few of those and what do you tell yourself in those moments when you are like if someone was considering dropping out or they were you know their mind was going a bit fuzzy what would you is there anything well, you... that that's that's dealt with uh, i think in pr- two pretty distinct ways uh, a lot of people run with pacers 
and that's uh, pacer is somebody who who runs with you. They're not allowed to mule. Muling is when they carry food for you. They're not allowed to mule you, but they're allowed to run with you and just kind of keep you safe. Essentially, they're going to keep you on the right track and keep you drinking and keep you eating and making sure that everything's going okay and giving you encouragement. And then some people choose to run completely alone. Um, and uh, I choose to run completely alone. I would rather run with somebody, but I don't run as well when I'm with somebody because I really feel that I need to depend on myself. And if I have to depend on myself, I can at least depend on myself and force myself through it. Um, and uh, if you're with somebody, then then you can use them for encouragement. And it, it works either way works well for for both types of people i suppose mm-hmm. well and those paces can you have multiple paces that do various yeah. stretches for you yeah yeah okay. yeah yeah, yeah. It, it generally it's uh generally like i said it's 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 the last 40 miles or so of a, of a hundred miler and some people right use them and and some pacers get dropped um that happens occasionally you want to have your friend pace you and that friend's not really good at running in the mountains <laughs> and uh, that that person gets dropped um it's a very strange relationship you have with a pacer because I've run with pacers before. I just choose not to anymore because you're asking this person to help you, but helping you a lot of times means them putting you through a whole lot of hurt, mm-hmm. um, keeping you going and um, doing something that you really think you don't want to be doing right now. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I know, <laughs> I know myself, I get frust when you're in that part of a tough workout or a run and you get frustrated and. If someone keeps trying to talk to you, you just went back. Leave me alone. Yes. Just uh, yeah. <laughs> so I could see in some Stop ways you're right. That would that would Stop make it worse. Yeah. You, and oh boy, there are some <laughs> some strange relationships. That's when people say that their spouses pace them or their good friends. Ay ay ay. I I don't know how that that relationship works. That's not a relationship I could have with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> good to know. <laughs> Um, and then um, switching topics slightly um, about um, gait and running efficiency. We've talked about this quite a lot in our recent podcasts. Yeah. Um, and we, you find that most people tend to run smooth as they run more miles. Their form becomes smooth. They become more efficient. Would you say that is the case with ultra running? Oh, boy. Uh, uh, that's that, I think if you took the top 10 ultra runners in the world, however you want to categorize those, I think everybody has a, a drastically different gait. Really? Uh, and especially at the beginning of the race and at the end of the race. Again, the, the elite guys who are up there, elite guys and gals who are only, they're running for, you know, 14, 15, 16 hours, their gait's going to change, but nothing like it's going to change for somebody who's been out there for 30 hours and is, I mean, really dragging legs and, and, uh, sh- Shuffling is a very nice word. If they're <laughs> shuffling it, that's a that's that's a that's a compliment because sometimes it looks really really horrible. Now, gates a gates a tough one. And probably blisters as well will make you. Uh, oh oh yeah, blisters and chafing and if you've fallen or there's all all sorts of stuff goes wrong out there. And uh, <laughs> pe- people who every once in a while you see somebody at a hundred miles show up and they're they're relatively clean and they're running and you go how. Where have you been? What have you been doing out there? Because everybody else is looking horrible. Uh, (laughs) Good to know. And um, so you talked about, uh, well, you didn't talk about, in your website, you have about the Black Toenail Hall of Fame. Is that kind of an accepted part (laughs) of being an ultra runner? Oh, it's not accepted. That is a, they're they're badges of honor. Um, (laughs) They're, they're, you know, it, 
when we're running for that long, all sorts of things happen to our bodies out there. And uh, in terms of bodily fluids or black toenails or whatever it may be, and um, and black toenails, black toenails happen for any reason, number of reasons. Your shoes don't fit right, or you kick rocks, or you run too much downhill. And uh, oh yeah, there have been people who have made uh, necklaces out of black toenails, and <laughs> um, there, uh, there there are some really horrendous. It's it's not only black toenails now; now it's also just bloody blisters and uh, just horrible looking feet. Okay, I'm not sure I will be checking that out myself because yeah, I'm a little squeamish. It's but... it's something else. I get the weirdest emails from people have <laughs> just horrible looking pictures, and their people are sending me videos of them peeling their toenails off and it's <laughs> slime underneath and ugh, ugh. okay well if someone does have a desire to go check that out they can check yeah. that out at yeah. ultrarunnerpodcast.com correct yeah. Okay. yeah it's at the top bar yeah this is uh black toenail hall of fame okay. we've got a few hundred in there now i think <laughs> all right well if you have a strange fetish or desire to go check that out then they, oh there you go <laughs> so we have a question from one of our Runners Connect athletes, uh, Matthew Stewart, would like to know um, if you have any thoughts on uh, comrade, comrades this year, um, if you think there will be a British uh, clean sweep, and I'm not just asking this because I am British, but this was genuinely a question, so uh, do you have any thoughts on that? I don't. I, I wish I followed comrades better when comrades comes up i watch it and I, I have a good understanding of 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 who's running um now i don't know ellie greenwood is we can call her british we can call her canadian she just kind of says i don't care what you call me um <laughs> uh, she ran a great race last year obviously and uh and this year i don't know who is in it for uh for the for the british men i ian Sharman is fantastic I don't know if that's on his calendar or not. You know, Ian lives in the states now in California, um, but he's 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 British. Um, I haven't uh, have not paid enough attention okay. as I should. Well, it was Steve Way, the other the, the male. Okay. Who's... Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Um, and then just finally, um, if someone did want to look for some more resources to do with ultra or trail running, um, other than Ultra Runner Podcast, what uh, where would you recommend them going? Oh, go. Go to your running store or whatever social media outlet, whatever you need to do to find a group of people and just go running with them and talk. Okay. Um, there's so much stuff. There's so much stuff online, and that's really one of the reasons we started URP is there's so much stuff online. We're trying to bring it all in one place, but even then it's overwhelming. Go and talk and just run and say, I'm just getting into this. I got my first 50K, and you'll be just pummeled with information from <laughs> all different from all different uh, different takes, and everybody's got an opinion, and uh, just talk and ask questions. Okay. Absolutely the best way to do it. One question I was going to ask, well, I have asked all my guests so far. Um, if you could give one word to describe what you would like to achieve, believe, be, accomplish in 2015, what would that word be? Uninjured. Uninjured, okay. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I, had, I had grand plans for 2014. Uh, that started out with uh, with I was going to run uh, about wanted to run 255 at Surf City Marathon, and about a week prior to that, I blew out my calf. And uh, in the month of, <laughs> in the next four weeks, I gained 14 pounds from from not running, <laughs> just eating out of I don't know sadness or something, and uh, had to cancel pretty much all my races for a tremendous part of the year. And that's a bummer. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm I'm somewhat prone to injury because I like to push things hard, and uh, I pay for it. And this year, my goal absolutely is to 
not get injured. I've got some really fun races coming up, and uh, both fast, long, short, some weird time stuff. And I wanna, I wanna run them all. Okay. And you do, you did mention that you you like to run a variety of races and all kinds of yeah. things. It's not, and it's not just ultra running. You do. No, no, no. So no, how? No, no, this. No, this, this. I've got, uh, I've got uh, five. I've got uh, this weekend. I've got a fifty k. The weekend after that, I've got a five k. Um, I've got a fifty miler. Got a hundred miler in August. I've got a 72 miler in September, but then there's a, there's a really fun event, um, that I had never really heard of until I signed up for it. It's called the four mile per hour challenge. And it's a, it's a six mile course, um, real light trail course, six mile course. And you have 90 minutes to run it. So it's very slow. It's a 15 minute mile. It's very, very, very slow. And, uh, the race starts and then the next race starts 90 minutes after that. And then the next race starts 90 minutes after that. So you, you basically need to see how many, 90 minute 10ks you can run in a row <laughs> okay and the last person who shows up on the starting line wins and uh the last time they ran it, i think the guys ran 160 miles or something like that wow um so it should be a real mental real mental race can any anyone enter that yeah so, yeah I th- yeah and it was like 50 bucks or something okay like it's it's uh it's in red bluff california and uh it's just it's it's really it's it, there's two different techniques you can either run fast and try to get maybe a little bit of sleep in between when you're done and the next race starts or you can just try to make 15 minute miles and keep walking or keep jogging very slowly for as long as you can interesting um i'll put a, <laughs> yeah. I'll put a link to that in the show notes if yeah. you give me that after we talk in that um so then for you just a quick quick question when it comes to pacing how do you go from you know running a 5k and moving to those longer distances how do you know how to pace yourself how do you know I, I'm just a, I run by, I don't run with a watch. I just run, um, by, by, I've been running long enough. I, I know what I should be doing in a 5k. I mean, I know maxing out is maxing out and I just go for it and, you know, go into the pain cave a little bit and see if I can, see if I can hold on. I'm not a fast 5k or I'm a 18, 19 minute, you know, 5k or, and, uh, and for longer stuff, um, you just go out and the, the goal is to run slow. I mean, the, and the goal is to run slow. It's a completely different mindset than the goal is to run fast. And um, it just takes practice. So how do you not get carried away with, you know, let's say you're oh. 15 miles in. How do you not? I don't. I, I do it wrong every time. <laughs> I, go, I go out too fast every time. And I go out and I think this is going to be my day. I'm gonna I'm gonna do great. This is going to be my day. I've got it. It's a it's a 50k and I'm going out way too fast. And then I blow up. Is, and that happens pretty much every race. And is that pretty common within? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, that it goes back to the type of people who are entering them. You know, you're trying to push yourself and trying to see what you can do. And um, that's what you get. Is that even the elites <laughs> do it that way? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I mean, I talked to so many of them, and they so many say. They do the exact same thing. Now, granted, a lot of them are saying, well, I slowed down to eight-minute miles or something like that. But, oh, yeah, they go out. So many go out too fast as well because you've got a bunch of real type A personalities up there pushing the front of the pack. Okay. Well, this has been very interesting. I know I've learned a lot. So (laughs) um, (laughs) great peek into the world of ultra and trail running. So thank you very much, Eric, for your time. And uh, I I will put show notes uh, with everything we have talked about today. Fantastic. Thanks, Dana. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast. Ultra running has become so popular in the last few years, it already appears to have taken off. If we have ignited your curiosity, remember to check out ultrarunnerpodcast.com or if you are up for the challenge to see how long you can run for, the link to the 4 mile 
per hour race Eric talked about, as well as the other links, can be found at runnersconnect.net forward slash rc48. If you enjoyed listening, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a review for us on iTunes. It's easy to do by going to runnersconnect.net forward slash review, which will take you to the page to connect to iTunes. A favourable review will help us towards our goal of being the number one running podcast. Thank you so much in advance. Have a great week of running.